Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-hosts, the pet experts themselves. First, we have Mr. Rick Pruce from Pruce Pets. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Lee. Good morning, Doc. Hey, good morning, everybody. We got a great show today. <laughs> yes, we do. And that's Dr. Schultz chiming in from Schultz Veterinary Clinic. And we've got a great guest, Doc. This will be your first time with her. Rick and I have had lots of access to her over the years. She was one of our first guests on the show, and she's always been willing to come in and share great information. It's Julia Wilson, who is the president and CEO of Capital Area Humane society and what a great job they do she's been there over 25 years and she still has energy like she started yesterday Uh, she's doing a great job there they've got a great organization and uh, they're doing everything they can to help the pets that need it you know dr schultz it's uh great having you on the show and it's when guests like that come in that i kind of get excited about because i i want you to see the kind of awesome characters that we get to have on this show. How has it been so far, uh, now that you're kind of in the driver's seat of uh, this? Uh, help. Well, what's, help what's really been interesting is um, I get home and my wife goes, how'd the show go? It disappeared. Uh, our, our hour show is up in minutes. Yeah. Uh, there's some really dynamic people that we've had on the show. Yeah. And, and interesting characters are sitting right here in the studio also. <laughs> um, there, there, there's no lack of character in this place. That's my No, that's right. Right. Yeah. Even Bruce over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we have a really, really good engineer and a really good bunch of people on the show. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. been a fun thing to be doing. Yeah, yeah. And you definitely bring of dynamics to it that uh, makes it just that much more exciting and and actually that the level of questions because of your you know extensive veterinary experience well, we know, were we were talking about this before the show with Lee and and I was saying I maybe I bring the show down to my level instead of take it up to their level. No, I think no, we're I good. think we're good. I think the I agree with Rick. The intelligence level has gone up. The excitement has gone up. But one thing, Doc, that isn't going to change is how we cover fun things. Because Rick, I've got to tell you, I could not believe that your daughter has already announced this year's Halloween okay. contest in Old Town. This could be the earliest introduction I've seen it, which means that. <laughs> This must be a really great year that you guys are planning. Uh, you know, uh, hats off to my daughter and and the crew that she supports. There's now more and more individuals in the store and kind of volunteering around the store that are helping support her, doing everything she wants to do. And this is something she's been wanting to do for a long time, and that is special events that are well-planned, well-announced, and well-attended. And I can promise you this dog trick-or-treat will be like no other. So it's going to be October 27th at 4 p.m., so mark your calendar if you haven't. Uh, But uh, the bottom line is that at the store, you're going to see a lot more focus on, not that we haven't educated the public on a day-to-day basis, but we're going to have a lot more focused energy that can get people in as a group and learn from each other and kind of develop a community within the within the greater 
group, just like we have been, but we want to up that game in a substantial amount of way. Well, and Doc, for you, if you haven't been to one of those, Rick and I had the privilege of being the MCs of one a few years ago. And I've got to say, there were at least 100 dogs in costumes at the event that year. And there were at least 500 people that were in attendance in and around the area. And my guess is it's just grown since then. And uh, especially since they brought in some real talent in order to How we've done it, and it will grow because of that, Uh, rather than having a constricted, uh, like, dog show, it's something that you can participate. You get a photograph of your animal, and then everybody gets to vote on that, the the best animals. So it it allows a lot more participation. Gotcha. Um, So, yeah. Well, it's it's working out great. And, again, it's posted on the Proust Facebook page. You just have to go there. But today, Doc, I hope you enjoy the experience with Julia because I will tell you she is amazing. I I remember calling her a superstar when it comes to uh, animal welfare issues in, in the country, let alone just in the area. And I hope you enjoy meeting her as much as Rick and I have because uh, that's what we're going to talk about is Capillary Humane Society this week on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. We're not saying Rick and Lee are secretly animals trapped inside human bodies who keep interviewing pet experts to figure out how to escape, but it's certainly a possibility. It's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And Doc and Rick, we have with us in the studio a returning guest who I've got to say is probably near the top, if not the top, of all of our returning guests. She's been with us since we started. She's been in this area and has been a start of this area. Welcome back to the studio, Julia Wilson, President and CEO of the Capital Area Humane Society. Well, thank you. You know I love being here. Well, it's always been a pleasure to have you. You always bring a positive disposition. And frankly, your stories have continued to improve year after year. And if that isn't a testimony to the job that you do, then I don't know what would be. Oh, thanks. Hey, it's it's just <laughs> calling the shots the way that I think the world sees them. Uh, but in the meantime, Julia, let's talk about what's yeah. going on at Capital Area because we haven't seen you yeah. this year in 2023. So let's get a report card kind of from you. How have things gone in the tail end of 2022 and throughout 2023? Well, anybody who knows our organization has been out in the last year has known that we've been undergoing some pretty major renovations. And they actually started way back in 2016 and have been ongoing intermittently throughout that time. So the last year we've been renovating our dog and puppy adoption area. So this is the largest part of our project. And we thank our community for being so patient with us because our we were down about 50 dog runs. So that's a pretty big capacity Um to lose during our busiest time of year, which is typically the warmer months. So we have been doing our best to keep up and and help as many animals as possible, but we are beyond ecstatic that we will be opening that in September. So it's a pretty big moment for us finally getting to that point where we will have, um, between when this started back in 2016, we've added on to our facility and we've renovated the entire area all the animal areas have been fully refreshed updated and i think people are going to be pretty amazed by what we've done with our dog adoption areas so what's your capacity going to be 
Well, you know, our capacity is going to be similar to before. Um, so we didn't really go at this like we're going to make as many spaces to shove as many animals in because what we have learned in shelter medicine over time is that um, the more stressed an animal is, the, the worse performance they have in a shelter environment. They can get sick faster. They deteriorate mentally, which can lead to behavior problems. So we really consulted with a group called Animal Arts out of Colorado, and they specialize in shelter design. And our focus for all of this is not to shove more animals in the shelter. Because honestly, animals will leave faster if they're happy. And so really designed it so we can reduce the stress. We have a special area for dogs that are struggling in shelters from fear or overstimulation. So um, it's just a whole new way to shelter animals for our organization. Other shelters have been going down this path. So about the same number of dog kennels we had in the past, but really it's more about the design and the comfort that the animals will feel in our care. Beautiful. That's I, excellent. Yeah, I was just wondering, I imagine going into that design idea, mm-hmm. there has to be some visuals that humans pick up on that bother them that may or may not necessarily be the big thing for the animal, but for the humans, it might even be color of mm-hmm. the presentation. What what did you see in that respect? I mean, certainly more space for the animal. People are going to feel better about that. Yeah. Is there anything else that comes to mind that... Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of design elements and things we considered. And really, the human perception of what shelters are was a big factor, too, because we want the human experience to be pleasant, too. And we're not designing these spaces so that they look pretty in as much as... Historically, people don't want to come to shelters because it affects them emotionally. They feel sadness and distress because they see an animal caged and they see it reacting poorly to that stress. And I have had over the course of my career, and I've been at Capillary almost 25 years now, so many people say to me, I can't even walk in that shelter because it just hurts me too much to see the animals in in the state where they're being housed in that manner. So... um, Although it wasn't our number one priority, our priority was to build a space that was happy for animals and people. Because really, if people don't come in, you know, if you aren't being inclusive to people in your community and getting them in your building, they will never take home a shelter animal. So I think that that's something the humans will notice. Now, while that's not our number one priority, I think yeah. people are going to – the dogs are living in little dog houses now, little apartments. They're not living in traditional yeah, cages. Cool. So you literally are walking down a main street, yeah, and each dog yeah. has its own little house with its own address. And um, and not just does it look cute, but there are sound considerations. There are visual considerations, like they don't aren't able to see other animals from their enclosure, things that you probably wouldn't think about if you're not in sheltering. But those are all things that make an animal scared. If an animal's in a shelter and they see a dog that is scared to them, they might back away from the front and hover in the corner um, versus a dog that doesn't have to face those stresses. So it's you wouldn't think about it, but there's sound mm. considerations. There's um, you know eye contact considerations for other animals. There's what they can see coming at their kennel. It's, it's a very – it's a complex equation. And um, oh. I think what we've done – is come up with something that's really going to be pretty amazing. That's great. Yeah that, yeah, that makes them, on a daily basis, the stress and the, the care that you're giving makes their life so much easier. Right. Yeah. And so it's the humans, too. The more comfortable you are, the better life is. Right. Yeah, that's great. Not to go backwards, but right now you do have to tighten it up a little bit for space and such. Yeah. And you're, you are – what steps have you taken to make that happen? Um, uh, yeah. How difficult is that? 
You oh. know, <laughs> I can tell yeah. you, Rick, um, the last year has been challenging. Um, we've really had to use spaces that weren't designed for adoption to house our adoptable animals and, okay. and, and, you know, take people in parts of the building we normally wouldn't for adoption. So it's been clunky, um, uh-huh. you know, as construction rolls and we'd hope to be done with this in June. It always goes longer. It always takes longer than you want and anticipate. So I will tell you for our adopters who've come out is probably felt really clunky um, for our staff. Um, the challenges for staff and volunteers to work with within a space that's not built for its purpose. And anyone who's who's done an exercise like that knows every day is a challenge. So it's been uncomfortable, um, but growth is painful. Yeah. You know, no, growth I, is challenging. Yeah, I've been there. I understand. I know you have. Yeah. I understand. You just you have know. to. And we hesitated and hesitated. Like, you know, we, we – you know, it's it's hard to jump in, but we got to the point where we understood that to do the best for the animals, we had to move forward in a way that was going to create a better future for sheltering in our community. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And community support for this, how's that going? Yeah, so we were able to fundraise for the project, and it got super challenging post-COVID because we had an original budget. We started this fundraising for this portion in 2019, and we had a budget established. Um, and then with COVID, it kind of stopped all the construction and progress on the fundraising. So we paused, um, did some things we could do with the funds we'd already raised. And then our budget um, went up by 35%. So it added a million dollars. We'd raised the money. And then post-COVID, we reevaluated the budget and we were up by a, a million dollars. So then we had to back up and go back to fundraising. So um, it's been a, very challenging, um, and there's been lots of obstacles, but we were finally, um, with a lot of work, able to secure the funding from the community to cover the project. So yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been it's been crazy. Hands off to, hands, uh, you know, claps to the yeah. public, you know. Absolutely. They stepped up. It, it, yeah, yeah, and, and they have, you know. That's yes. the one thing that I've noticed continuously over the, you know, 13 years that we've done this um, is that the community really supports yes. the Humane Society yes. of Lansing, Michigan. Yeah. You know. And people just support animal welfare in general, whether it's my shelter or otherwise, people right. um, feel very passionately about right. about yeah. being a part of the solutions we need. And yeah. um, I imagine a major part of this getting through it all has a lot to do with your volunteers oh, and yeah. the people yeah. that are out there. Can you at least talk a little bit about over this last half year, three quarters of a year, you know, what's been going on in the volunteer side? Is it pretty much business as usual? Did you have to make special accommodations in order to make that work? It's been like everything else. We've had to flex a lot, but our volunteers, just like our staff, have all been amazing. Um, and we have about 1,200 active volunteers on an annual basis, so we have a lot of people in and out of our building every day, um, some who come and walk animals every morning, mm-hmm. some who are there once a week. So um, a our volunteers have been amazing and supportive and and um, have really been critical in getting us through all the challenges we face because, you know, we never have enough staff. And when we don't have enough staff, it's the volunteers who step up and do the extra things that need to be done to keep the animals cared for, whether it's giving them medications or taking them on the trails for walks, enriching them, keeping them healthy, because our enclosures that we keep them in now aren't what we really want. We want to get them into these new adoption areas. So, so, so if I'm listening to the show, which I hope everybody is, how do I become? <laughs> 
become a volunteer there? So it's really easy. Um, you can go to our website. It's the easiest way to get the information. You have to attend an orientation. We have flexible schedules, which basically means you can come when you're available. So we don't have you, you don't have to buy into a certain schedule. And you can work directly with animals and administration. I mean, anything we do with kids and education. So there's, there's, Usually something for um, anyone who cares about animal welfare to get involved. Yeah, Yeah, good. So the people that have something to do on a Thursday afternoon, come on over. Yes. Yeah, well, you got to get an orientation first because we have some rules, you know, disease control and safety. But but once you've gone through orientation, um, we are a pretty open organization when it comes to people volunteering. Is there like an age that, um, I mean, if you were to uh, poll your volunteers, what what kind of uh, bell curve do we have on an age standpoint? Wow, you know, I don't think you can really hone in on what that looks like because yeah. we have a very diverse group of volunteers from the very young. You can start volunteering independently at 16. Okay, good. Um, we figure if yeah. you can drive a car, you can volunteer. Um, and then between the ages of 8 and 16, you need to be with a parent. So we do engage kids, elementary yeah. age kids. Yeah. yeah, so and then we have people who are retired. We have people who um, – just an incredible spectrum of people. The thing about animal welfare is it attracts all ages. It's not just, you know, a, you know, I only do this at this phase in my life. People tend to care about it their entire lives. Besides the compassion that they send forth uh, by coming out, are there other like disciplines that you're looking for in the way of volunteers? Um, is there anything more specific than that? Or just come in and we'll find something for you to do? Are there? I kind of feel like that's the way it is, Rick. Yeah. I kind of feel like um, we aren't like looking for this skill set or that skill set. Obviously, some people are maybe don't want to work with dogs because they have, you know, they feel like they're maybe not strong enough for the big dogs or they just don't feel quite comfortable. So, you know, they go with the cats and, you know, it's, it's just all over. I don't think that there's any one skill set we need. Good. Yeah, that's great. That's a great way to do it. Yeah. So pretty much it doesn't matter. Come on down and walk some dogs, play some cats and do it. I feel yeah. that, yes. Yeah, that's yes. great. Now, Julie, you just brought up the topic of cats, and that always gets me interested oh. <laughs> because of the kitten season and the issues with cats. Because let's let's be frank about this whole thing with dogs. You guys have always done a really effective job, but keeping up with the cats is sometimes been a little bit challenging. How has that been this year? Are you still seeing? And I have to break in something that Lee just brought up. Kitten season. Mm -hmm. Cats pretty much have season all year. You might have a little bit of a raise in certain times of the year, but cats are kind of like rabbits when they're out in the wild. There's a lot of kittens out there. Yeah, there are. And we do tend to see them starting this spring. I, you know, they tend to come into season all together, and then they have a couple litters, it seems, every year. So we see kittens. Um, primarily, we start seeing them by April, and they usually go through the end of the year. So we are in the throes of kitten season, right, when all the boxes of kittens and people are dumping on the doorstep and, and doing some things we don't really like. Um, so we are definitely in the height of seeing kittens, and we'll continue to from past years. It always seems to go at least through October or November. How has your facility with these, let's call them creative modifications, yeah. uh, been holding up to keeping all of the cats and kittens? Because I know that that was a big part of your focused renovation is how do we separate yeah. these animals yeah. to not have them create anxiety for one another. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we very intentionally did was all the spaces are their cat or dog because we don't want them to cohabitate. Our nursery prior to this project was a combination of kittens and puppies. So we've since separated that. The good news is in the past, 
you know, I would say since this spring, all of our cat and kitten spaces were complete on the renovation side. So I think that we've had less of an impact on our feline population and, and the number of cats we can process versus the dogs because the dog space is what's been most impacted in the last, for mo- the majority of this year. And it actually started last August. So I think we're okay on the cat side in terms of normal operations. Um, I'll have to say that um, Kittens and cats are always a problem, though, and there's never enough shelter space for those animals to go. Uh, In terms of the activity of people looking for them, are you still seeing a lot of people coming in for them? Uh, Have you seen any increases in them? I understand that cats are getting more popular with certain groups of people. And how is that going? Well, I think our kitten and cat adoptions are going very well. I think cats are typically, I don't say flying off the shelves. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say, especially kittens, yeah, they're, yeah, they are. They're they're (laughs) pouncing off the shelves, I guess. But I would say that um, people are still, um, you know, coming to shelters to adopt cats and kittens. We're really, really... um, excited with how receptive our our community is to our adoptions. For people that are new to pets, uh, cats, it's a little less work to have a cat. I mean, you got to change some litter box and stuff, but they're in the house. They're with you all the time. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. no yeah. question about it. Yeah. We're talking this morning with Julia Wilson, who is the CEO and president of the Capital Area Humane Society. And Julia, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll continue the conversation and we might even get into a little walk for the animals, which is going to be coming up pretty soon. And we'll talk about that right here on 1320 WILS. It's the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. I am the little red rooster. It's 9.35 and we're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we've been talking this morning with Julia Wilson, who is the CEO and president of the Capital Area Humane Society. And we were just talking about the status of what all is going on. And, Doc, you had a question about uh, dealing with cats, which was the last subject we dealt with. Why don't you take the conversation forward? Thanks. So it's springtime now in Michigan, and it isn't, but it is in this show. And uh, the neighbor cat just knocked out a whole bunch of kittens, like, say, six or seven kittens. They're really, really cute. Mom's mom's astray. Um, So I, I can get these kittens in a box. Their eyes just opened. Can I bring them in and then what do we do or what kind of protocol do we have in place to stop the next litter from coming on? Well, I mean, the next litter is always a problem, isn't it? So, I mean, we do have some resources. I will tell you, um, our spay-neuter clinic over on Cedar Street has been hopping. Um, We are booked out, unfortunately, about till the end of the year right now. So four to five months out. So we always encourage people, if you come across a stray or you need spay neuter, call us right away. We'll get you in as soon as we can. I just want- what's the cost for that? Yeah. Oh, you would ask me that. You have to ask them because I don't remember off the top of my head, but we keep it. We try to keep it low cost. And we also do have um, some grant funding. So if folks are struggling or just need some extra assistance to get those services, um, we do have some other options too. So um, you'd have to call to get the prices and I should be able to fire off, but I had a lot of things in my brain. Well, I know they're yeah. not very high. It's, it's <laughs> yes, way, yes. way less expensive than mainstream. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. we're not trying to compete with anyone. We're just trying to make it highly accessible yeah. throughout the community. And so we encourage people to use your regular veterinarian for those services, but where that's not applicable or, a, or you're not able, please call us. We do book way ahead. But obviously, 
obviously the spay neuter is the number one thing. We got to stop the reproduction cycle Absolutely. for that animal. And those little babies obviously need somewhere to go too. I'll tell you, we try to work with each individual case. If you call instead of a box of kittens and there are little tiny beans, you know, just opening their eyes, maybe a week old, um, a shelter isn't a great place for them. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is they still have to grow up so much before they can go into a new home and be apart from their mom, with the exception of bottle babies, which of course may not have a mother. Um, we're going to do everything to keep those animals with their mother because that's the best and most healthy environment for them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk you through it. If you have the mom and the babies, then we might be able to provide support to ha- let you keep them together until we can get them into a shelter and they're old enough for adoption. Mm-hmm. If you can't, then we do have some foster homes in the community. Um, but we're going to work with every situation and first think about what's best for each of these little creatures and how can they have the best chance of success. But getting mom spayed and neutered, whether it's your dog, cat, or a stray, um, you certainly need to think about that first because those cats will get pregnant pretty quickly after their babies come and they can have a couple litters a year. Very quickly. And the other thing, and people need to know, if you're the old woman in the shoe and these aren't children, these are cats, there is help for you. You know, you can get this stopped before you have 5,000 of them running in the house because two or three litters in the summer, you go from two cats to 18 or 20 cats within the summer. Mm -hmm. And this is something that there is help for and you're there. And that's what we need. Now with the Cedar Street facility yeah. kind of booked does that affect the like trap trap neuter release type programs the TNR yeah. is that affecting that as far as even be able to offer that? So we have a community cats program, and what that program does is assist folks that have and are managing what we call colonies of cats. And what a colony of cats typically looks like is it's a group of cats that either feral or semi-feral, but they're free roaming and they don't necessarily have a home, but they do have a caretaker. So we work with these groups and try to do um, exactly what we just talked about, get them all spayed and neutered, stop the cycle, and then help this person manage the cats. So it's part of our spay neuter program. We do have slots of available for those cats that are scheduled in our daily surgical schedules. So we're always going to have those TNR slots for folks that are involved in that program because it doesn't do much good to to trap a cat and not have anywhere for it to go once it's in that trap. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not fun. Yeah. So our for the the cat at least. Our director over at the Spaniard Clinic, you know, she simultaneously manages that the surgical schedule of the public and and, and is working with those feral cats as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just because once you get them, um, it's an emergency really to get them spayed and neuter because you may not get them again. Right. And um, you, if you get the opportunity to spay and neuter an animal, um, you need to take it. So your services over there would be specifically spay neuter. Is there any vaccinations or anything like that that's offered? Or right now we offer spay neuter services, and if you're Animal comes in for spay neuter and needs like a rabies shot. We do have some basic supportive um, services that we offer, but we don't mm-hmm. manage patients as a typical veterinary clinic was. Yeah. So, so we're not going to be taking people for wellness care at this time, but but we will provide some support care for animals that are patients at our shelter at, at our at our clinic. Yeah, do you pre-test like heartworm for surgery? Yeah, and yeah, stuff like yeah, that? yeah. We and do how, some of that. Yeah. yeah. How about leukemia for cats? What do you do for strays? Um, you know, I have to go back and look because that's really dynamic and and really changing. Leukemia and FIV mm-hmm. used to be, you know. They would test and always Everywhere. do that. Yeah, but but the industry, the animal welfare industry, has has kind of wavered away from that in some respects when it comes to feral cats. Um, so I can't, I, I don't know the policies off the top of my head for what we're doing with Filuk and FIV right now. But, but what's amazing that we've seen in my career was years ago, every single week in the practice, uh, we would have a leukemic cat. Oh, yeah. Every, yeah. every yeah. single week. And that the vaccines came out, so the, 
domestic cats are more protected, and yeah. so you still have a feral population. Yes. But I don't think the impact is anywhere near what it used to be 15 or 20 years ago. I'm confident that's true. Yeah, yeah the that's really good were, for everybody. Yeah. Um, I guess one thing that would be helpful for the people listening in, because the radio station does go far and wide, yeah. I'm just curious, where are the boundaries? Like, what other, you know, I, I know there's a, a capital, I mean, not a capital, but a, a humane society down in Jackson. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting throughout this mid-Michigan area. Who do I call? Oh. <laughs> well, um, I think one of the nice things about being a humane society, we don't have, like, geographical boundaries. I mean, we don't just operate in this county or that county. So we don't have really boundaries. I'll tell you, our spay neuter clinic serves about, you know, an hour radius of Lansing. So mm-hmm. um, people mm-hmm. will drive a, an hour and sometimes more to get here. Um, if you're talking specifically about spay neuter, there are, you know, spay neuter clinics throughout the region that okay. will, will provide the services we're providing as well. So I would say about an area around Lansing is typically where our clientele is coming from. Okay. There are humane societies in Grand Rapids and like you said, Ann Arbor, Jackson. So certainly many Bigger metropolitan areas will have humane societies with similar resources to us, but we don't. If, if someone calls from Jackson, we might recommend they try there first. But we certainly. That's, that's why I was wondering: is yeah. there a cooperation, or what? What is the spirit among other humane societies? Do you guys kind of work together? Yes, and the spirit is generally whether it be adoptions or spay neuter or whatever you need from humane society cruelty. That you know, there's a there's an organization closer to you. Have you tried them first? Um, and certainly, we're not going to turn someone down from a different area if they have a humane society. But it's generally more convenient. Well, speaking of the cooperation. One of the things that's changing in this area is that Ingham County Animal Control is adding a spay-neuter component to their service list that they've got. How does that change things? Does it make it positive? Does it pull back on the fact that you have a four-month wait period in order to get in? Uh, explain to me how that is coordinated because you guys are on the same mission. Sure. But yes, at the same absolutely. time, in that case, you are going to be fishing out of the same pond, so to speak, in terms of. <laughs> we welcome all the fishers in the pond. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. It's not a pond. It's an ocean. I think that's, that's yeah. a more appropriate for it. I think no matter how much both organizations are doing, they're still not going to catch up right. because it, it's it's still – what was the stat a couple of weeks ago? 50,000 stray cats in the Lansing area. Mm-hmm. That You couldn't do that. You can't get that done in a couple of years. It's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, so, if we run out of animals to spay and there's plenty of other things yeah, to that's do. True. I'm not, we're not, this is not a competition and there's not. The only winner is the animals. It, you yeah, know, for absolutely. me, it's if we can get that done, then there's all these other things the animal welfare organizations would love to focus on. Of course, spay is just such a huge priority. So we're not worried in terms of will there be enough animals animals in the future, I'm I'm not concerned about it in my lifetime that we will span neuter all the animals and then we'll we'll have nothing else to do with our time. Mm. So all everybody's welcome to fish in this in this ocean, <laughs> not lake. Sure and nice um, and if we run out of fish to spay and neuter, well, I'm not spaying neuter fish, but that's yeah, that's right. Not literally. <laughs> um, but if we run out of that, we'll do something else. So obviously yeah, we need all the help we can get. And then you have pets. Yeah. I mean, it, it's still people are always yeah. going to be looking for pets no matter what. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I think that if we look at what your mission statement is, yeah. it's not in the mission of of keeping animals coming. It's getting rid of animals, you know, stop having problems with animals. Right. And right. so we're only getting closer to where we need to be if we're getting closer to Perfect. making it 
you know, okay, well, we have a new issue. We don't don't have cats to spare noodle. That would be a great issue. <laughs> right. You know, that would that would be exactly in the mission statement. Now that's where we were shooting for. That's right. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's perfect. Interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. So then, as far as the um, the spay and neuter program yeah. that you have too, you have how many vets on staff? How many? How do you do this? So yeah, so offsite we have. So referring to the Cedar Street Clinic, we have two surgeons that work exclusively at that location. And then if you come over to the shelter location, we have our medical director and right. then two surgeons who work under her. So we have five veterinarians on staff currently at Excellent. the Humane Society as an organization. Yeah, yeah. And we noticed too as I was getting out of practice, finding veterinarians to work in this day and age is just like everything. Um, it's very, very difficult to get professional staff and non-professional staff. Yeah, 100%. It's going to be a challenge, I think, for for a long time. Right. Well, the good news is reputationally, you've got that behind you in a positive way. So uh, we're talking this morning with Julia Wilson, who is the CEO and president of the Capital Area Humane Society. And we need to take one more break. But when we come back, I'm sorry, Julia, you can dodge talking about walking for the animals <laughs> as long as you would like. But I'm going to bring it up. Okay, I guess I'll leave. We're going to talk about it right here on 1320 WILS. Welcome back to the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Here are your hosts, Rick Bruce and Lee Cohen. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been talking this morning with Julia Wilson, who is the CEO and president of the Capital Area Humane Society. And we've talked all about what's been going on, renovations, and we've talked about spaying and neutering. But darn it, Julia, you are not going to run away from me without telling me about walking for the animals because that's a fundraiser that's coming up, and a lot of people love participating in it. It's one of the best things you can do on a fall day in Grand Ledge. So let's talk about it. If it's still in Grand Ledge. It is. Yes. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful park out in Grand Ledge. We've we've hosted the event there for as long as I can remember with a few years that are exception. So yes, Lee, we're going to talk about the walk for the animals because it's important, right? And we do this every year. We're over 30 years with this event. So this has been a long standing um, fun day for our shelter to raise some money for the animals. So um, I know most people have at least heard of it and are familiar with it, but it is this year on September 30th, and that's a Saturday, 1 to 4 at Fitzgerald Park. And um, this is a fun day for animals. There'll be events and things for you to participate in. We've got a costume contest. Um, so you can do all that costume stuff, bring your dogs out, and there'll be some prizes for costume winners. So great day. It's a fundraiser. We hope to raise about $80,000, and this goes into that pool that just funds our daily operations, feeds the dogs, provides vet care, um, keeps the lights on at the shelter. So we do have a very big operational budget to care for animals on an annual basis. So this is a huge contributor to that. And how many people usually show up? Hundreds of people. I, awesome. I want it. Yeah, it, it's yeah. hundreds of people. Um, lots and lots of dogs. Most people bring a dog or two. So it's it's just kind of a sea of people and dogs. It's just fun to visually take it's a in. happy place. Yeah, yeah, and there is a formal walk, but it's more about the contests and the ice cream eating contest. Everybody just likes to come show their dogs off. I, I think the other thing that's really, really fantastic, and it's you almost need uh, stadium seating just to watch it all because there's so many breeds of dogs of all kind of like the all walks of life right you know there are all walks of life you're going to see your old english sheep dog you're going to see every breed and every mutt variety and every mix that you could ever think of it's like a spring. giant dog show but outside and having well fun. and it yeah and, and there's no competition right right it's not a, it's it, fun it, it's it's just a 
holy mackerel, I've never seen a dog like that. You know, <laughs> a, a great opportunity to walk up to somebody and say, what the heck is that dog? <laughs> and who knows, that might start a relationship right there. It does. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. And, and everybody has the same thing in common, you know. Yeah. Everybody loves dogs. Everybody loves the, the Humane Society. So uh, what better gathering that you could ever imagine than that? So, and, and do you have to sign up for this? Yeah, so we're going to need you to register so you can be a registered walker for the event. And we do ask people to, although they don't have to, fundraise. So, you know, Lee was talking about posts I made on Facebook. Yeah. So we just encourage our friends to say, hey, I'm walking for the animals on September 30th. And all the monies raised are going to help homeless animals in our community. You know, would you consider making a donation to my efforts? So... We ask you to register, and if you're so inclined, to ask your friends and family to support you so that we can reach those goals we need to for the animals. I, I think we've seen teams out there, right? Yeah. I mean, so whether it's businesses or organizations, yeah. kind of like it's a great opportunity for your group to show your you know, support for the effort yeah. and, and raise money for the effort. Uh, some of, Are there organizations that come out on an, an annual basis that's been coming out on a regular basis that you can kind of think of without trying to excluding think. everybody. But wow, that's what I worry about. Uh, <laughs> right. yeah. sure. I don't name this place and not this <laughs> place, but way. we do have businesses and teams that come out every year, year after year, yeah. Um, yeah. encouraging employees to participate. So yes, yeah. definitely there are repeat teams that come out. Um, there's a Capillary Humane Society board team, Capillary Humane Society staff team. So those are two teams that are always competing every year for the top team prize, which, uh-huh. by the way, the staff has won, I think, the last five years running. So we have some <laughs> bragging rights if my board's listening. We really yeah. want you to beat us yeah. Um, yeah. just because it'll help the animals. Well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. There you go. Yep. It, and that competition is centered around what they might ri- raise? Yes, yes. Wow. The, the, the pack yeah. that raises the most money of any pack. So what you do, yeah. you can sign up as an individual walker or you can form a pack. And so um, businesses will form a pack and their employees will come. And then and then we look at which pack um, or group raised the most money and then they get right. the top pack prize. So. Do I remember there being tables there of, uh, of vendors yep, or anything? Yeah, we've got yeah. vendor tables. We usually have a little silent auction with some really cool pet stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah. it's just a nice it's, it's just a nice offering. Well, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. Uh, any other avenues that you see the public um, needing to know about where they can actually help contribute to the efforts that you have? Sure. I mean, the public can always be involved, and you don't have to do big things. If you are if you care about animals and you want to be involved, first of all, we talked earlier, you can volunteer. You can come out and give us your time. You know, maybe yeah. you don't have the financial resources, but you do have an afternoon every week that you can help save lives and be a part of what we do at the shelter. So, Yes, there's always a way for people to get involved, whether you're eating, volunteering your time or you're doing a fundraising event, helping us you know, to meet the needs, the financial needs of the organization, because they are quite large when you're caring for that many animals. So so yes, yes, there's always okay. ways for people to get involved and help the organization. And, um, and again, it, it's really quite simple and most everyone can do it. So I want to get a little more personal and oh, oh. we talked about in the break oh. about it. <laughs> Not that personal, but to you specifically. Okay, yes. um, Lee brought up during the break that you had adopted a dog from the Capital Area Humane Society. But it was, yeah, yeah, but but also it was kind of like rags to riches, I suppose. Can you talk a little bit about 
your sweetheart. Oh, okay. Well, one of my I have more than one dog, so we right. well, they might be listening. Yes, so yes, I have very to much. Be careful what so, I say so, right so now. So lend, lend, lend that and your children. <laughs> yeah. right? The, the guilt. They know I love love the dogs more. They tell me <laughs> that every go. day. There like you, you love it more than us. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've adopted a couple dogs from the shelter over the course. I've been there a long time. Like I said, this I'm rolling in my 25th year at the organization. So many wonderful pets have passed, crossed my path, and joined my family um, as a part of my work at the Capillary Meat Society. But this particular dog, um, once a month, our organization participates in a rescue with um, an agency that exists down south um, in Tennessee, almost all the way to the Mississippi border. So um, where pet overpopulation is a lot worse than it is here, if you can kind of even imagine that, but especially with dogs and spay neuter isn't as popular and is accessible down there. So um, similar to we talked about how many free roaming cats are in our area, there's a lot of free roaming dogs in that area as well. So um, once a month, we travel down to Tennessee and um, bring back a group of young animals. Um, they're not always puppies, though, and bring them back to our shelter and give them opportunity at a life inside with a family because that's something they would never have from where they're coming from. Um, some of them are living in landfills. There's a landfill in that particular region that people just dump their pregnant dogs at because um, they just don't want to deal wow. with it. So um, they're pulled for some pretty rough places that's hard to imagine as someone who loves pets. So the dog you're talking about, I brought up from one of those operations and um Darn it! I just—he just looked at me through the cage bars, and I knew it was over. I knew it was over. I have a, That is the picture I took that you saw of him looking with his little eyes up through the cages, oh. and that was it. I probably didn't need a dog in that moment because um, mm-hmm. I've always had plenty of dogs, but um, but that was the moment that um, yeah, I, that was it. I just brought him home. There was no conversations with anyone. <laughs> it was just yeah. like, yeah. and now and, you're mine. And, and <laughs> is he a dog? Is he a cur? Is um, he a... Well, you know, he's got some hound influence. He kind of grew into his ears, so we know there's hound, yeah. and he's shiny black dog, so he's definitely a mixed breed. And, and I haven't done the genetic swabs or anything. I don't really care. Um, but you can see a little tan or, or brown in his cheeks, so probably a black and tan coon hound influence down there or something. Yeah. Um, but um, he's he's mixed breed. That's that's all we know about yeah. him. But but he has, and we've all had that soul dog that's just reached into our hearts, and they all climb in there, right? But this is the one I I like cry every time I look at him just because he's that cute. And he sits at the breakfast table every morning, has breakfast on a chair um, with my daughter. It's pathetic. I'm I'm embarrassed. But he now pulls his chair out. Um, He'll come to the breakfast table. They both can breakfast at the table. So that's terrible. This, this is not embarrassing. This is what we all have done yeah, in our lives. Yeah. But he literally pulls Anybody, his chair out, sits yeah. down next to my daughter, and they have breakfast together. Um, and, and he's, I don't want to say he's oh perfect because he's so naughty. Oh, my um, God. But he is part of the family. No, he's beyond that. I, there's got to be some level above part of the family that, that, that elevates him higher. Yeah. His name is Duke. Duke. Yeah, yeah. But my. I call him Boom Boom, and I don't know. You know, we get yeah, these nicknames. Boom, we yeah. don't know where they come from. No, I, but he is my yeah. Boom Boom. I love him. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I, that's great. I think that energy that you're talking about is just the energy that helps the entire family feel good. That's the energy and that right. he brings to the table, it's a happy above morning. and beyond what anything else can do. <laughs> right, and tomorrow morning it's a happy morning. Right, and he's always happy. Right. Well, and Julia has demonstrated that despite 25 years of working in this environment, <laughs> she is not immune to the wiles of these oh, various no. animals. No, no. She will fall yes. for them just as we all do. But Julia, I'm sorry, one thing we can't fall for is continuing the conversation because our time is up. So on behalf of our producer, Bruce Moore, 
Warner, Rick Pruce, and Doc Schultz here in the studio. This is Lee Cohen wishing all of you a great weekend, a great weekend. We'll talk next weekend on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Meantime, all of you, please, please take good care of your pets. Have a great week.